Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Bella Mackey. Bella holds a weekly sibling support group further to her sister's recovery from anorexia nervosa. Bella joins us today to discuss the impact of a sibling having an eating disorder, the support that's available and how you as, an, you as a sibling can help your loved one. Hello Bella. Hi Hannah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Uh, I, I'm really excited to talk to you because I think out of all the supports, I don't think there's much support probably more so nowadays but for siblings especially Mm -hmm. I don't think there's much so so excited to speak to you about the work that you're doing and also your personal experience so yeah thank you so much for for joining me um how are you today I'm doing well how are you yeah I'm not bad actually I um I think I'm like halfway through my day but I think your day is just starting it's just starting I just woke up not too long ago it's a little after 9 (laughs) a.m yeah so yeah it's been fun trying to like figure out the time difference when we're scheduling this this call I was like oh no I hope hope we're doing this right (laughs) it's funny I've had quite a few podcasts recently where people have been like a a time zone quite similar to you Uh um and not to me so I, I will just be like oh can you do like 10 a.m. <laughs> like uh, no, I'll be fast asleep at that. Yeah, point. <laughs> <laughs> that is the middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so I thought that maybe we'd start um talking about your personal experience, maybe to talk about you know the, your sister's diagnosis and the impact that that had on you as as her sister. Yeah, definitely. So my sister was officially diagnosed um, in October of 2010 when she was 10 years old. Um, And then I was 12 at the time and our younger brother was six. Um, So obviously at the time that she was diagnosed and into her battle and recovery, I felt sad and scared and anxious and all those more obvious feelings, I'd say, but obviously, Mm -hmm. um, I also felt angry and confused um, and kind of had this why me mentality. Um, Yeah. So there were also some other emotions that I'd say weren't, wouldn't be as obvious to people who haven't gone through a similar experience. And that's something I found really helpful Um, talking to other siblings uh, who've experienced this as well is just validating those emotions that you might not think about right off the bat that, like I said, that why me mentality, what, like, what did I do? What did our family do? Why do we deserve this? Um, which is definitely something I, I struggled with for sure. And yeah, many, many, many different emotions, a roller coaster of emotions. And that's completely normal and something I really work to normalize. Um, and I guess uh, with our age, our ages at the time, like I said, my sister was 10, I was 12, and my little brother was six. So I kind of found my role throughout my sister's recovery was very much so taking care of my little brother in a lot of situations, um, especially if it was snack time downstairs or meal time, and my sister was having a really hard day with her eating disorder and my parents really had to sit down with her and get her to eat and talk with her. And there'd often be a loud screaming battle downstairs. I would often take my brother upstairs, my little six-year-old brother, and we'd 
read books or play toys or watch a movie. Um, so that's kind of the role I took on um, and something I obviously was willing to do at the time, um, but still came with a lot of stressors on me as just a preteen 12 year old who'd rather mm -hmm. be listening to music and hanging out with my <laughs> friends. Um, so I think that's where a lot of kind of the angst and anger came from too. Um, so yeah, like, like I was saying, I suppose the siblings obviously want to be as helpful as they can and understand what they have to endure for their sibling to get them better. Um, but at the end of the day, that doesn't mean that it isn't hard and it doesn't suck sometimes and that it, 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 it's not fair to everyone involved. Um, and I think that's okay too, to recognize that you are in this hard position and it does, it isn't always rainbows and butterflies and it's okay to know that you're doing your best and trying to do your part, but it's okay to have those hard emotions too. Yeah. And I really thank you for your honesty there in terms of, you know, the range of emotions that you felt, because yeah. I think, you know, often you can begin to feel really guilty you know if you're feeling angry about the situation because your sister's poorly um mm -hmm. and I can imagine you know like you said with you only being 12 years old and you just want to go out and see your friends like that must have been quite difficult and then having to look after your brother um but I wanted to kind of ask you know at the age of 12 I'm just thinking back to when I was 12 like how yeah. much understanding did you have about eating disorders I mean did you have any or very, very little. And that's something I honestly have to kind of humble myself on sometimes when mm -hmm. I get frustrated with other people not understanding what it's really like or what it all entails is it's, there is still a big stigma against eating disorders and mental illness in general. Um, and I, I think especially cause this was already 12 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. and I will say my sister is in full recovery right now. She's 22. I'm 24. <laughs> she's my, she's my best friend. Yeah. I love her to death. Um, but yeah, even in the 12 years since um, she was first diagnosed, a lot has changed. People have been more vocal um, about it and um, people are starting to more learn what it really entails and um, that it's not not a choice. I think that's still a big um, misconception that exists out there, but it was more so there than 12 years ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say I honestly didn't didn't really know what it all was, what it entailed. And um, I, I do, like I said, I think that's what's so special about being a sibling who's gone through this and me getting now um, to talk with other siblings who have gone through it or are going through it as well is you you really don't understand what it's like until you mm -hmm. know someone that um, has gone through it and you've been by their side. Uh, so yeah, that's like I said, something that I need to be patient with with other people mm -hmm. sometimes when I get frustrated that they're not always on the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of counts for anybody. I think, you know, it's yeah. not just a sibling, but I think parents, loved ones, partners, totally. friends. Um, I think maybe nowadays people might have more of awareness about what an eating disorder is and, and you know, how it might show up. But I think actually, you know, when you are in the depth of supporting somebody, I think, you know, from my personal experience, the decisions I sometimes made were really frustrating to my loved ones. So like, but that's literally not helping you um, right. like at all. Um, so I kind of, you know, I think it's really important to talk about the different kind of emotions and the kind of effect that, um, that you know, a loved one has. So mm -hmm. I guess when you were, when you were supporting your sibling in, in the recovery, um, how did you kind of manage your own emotions because you know like you said as, as yeah. a teenager that you know <laughs> that's kind of like a horrible age when you don't know who you are and you're trying to find out you know all of that and there's a lot of complexity there right 
Yeah, I would say my my biggest support system and way I could take care of myself at the time was definitely just my family and friends. Um, my family, we are incredibly close. Um, and I, I would like to obviously think we'd still be close and love each other so much, even if we hadn't gone through what we went through with my sister. But I really do at the end of the day think that brought us so much closer together. Um, and that's kind of a silver lining I like to share with other people who are also going through it. Uh, my, my family is yeah, my biggest support system. We're all each other's cheerleaders. Um, and I think we've, I really learned through this experience that I can reach out to my family when I'm feeling sad and when I need help and when I just need a hug or a shoulder to cry on. Um, and I can also reach out to my family when I've had an amazing day and mm-hmm. want to share in my successes with them. And um, yeah, so they've, they've always been my biggest support system uh, since day one. And I think it's, even strengthened um, over the years with everything we've been through. Um, And then my friends were important um, at the time, for sure. Uh, I had, I had, I want to say a couple friends, I think it was two of my closest friends in middle school when this was all going on that I actually did um, confide in and open up to and let them know what was going on. Um, And with that, there, I also let their parents know, um, well, my my parents let their parents know what was going on. Um, so having that little outlet through that personal decision I made with my, my parents to open up to them was really helpful for me at the time. Um, because I, I had that escape always, if I was just overwhelmed or needed that separation, or it was a hard day, I could say, Hey, can I just come over and have a sleepover tonight? Can we watch a movie? Um, and it was very nice to get that separation. And that was really helpful and important for me at the time. Um, and something that I think if people going through it are comfortable in that decision and have that outlet, um, it can be really helpful. It obviously comes with, there's pros and cons um, for opening up to people in your life. You really need to gauge uh, what your comfort level is at the time. But that was very helpful for me, for sure. I'm also a big advocate for nature and hiking. That's always something that helped me take care of myself and all my emotions just to get lost in the forest. (laughs) Um, And also listening to music was always helpful. I had, I've always had cats my whole life. Um, And this sounds so cheesy, but like the, one of the biggest, most vivid memories I have when my sister was sick was when I would just be alone in my room on my bed with my cat on my lap. And I could just talk to my cat and she would listen because obviously she can't talk and reply back to me. So I would just say, oh my gosh, I am so sad and angry and stressed out. Can I just, you just hold you and let me cry out to you. And it was really soothing for my soul. And I, I think pets can be really, really helpful in these situations just because it's, it's an outlet to bring all your stressors to the surface and really get it out. Yeah, absolutely. I think they know when you're not feeling too good as well. We, we've got Seriously. two cats and whenever yeah. I'm a bit down, they always come and sit with me and I'm like, you know, don't you? They know. Um, Sixth sense. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I really liked what you were saying about, you know, having that kind of external support outside of your family, because I think mm. that's one thing, you know, that is so important. I think sometimes family members can neglect is just making sure that you have space to vent mm-hmm. as well because at the end of the day you're you know whatever age it is right exactly through stuff as well and you know I I have half siblings but they're 10 mm-hmm. years older than me so mm-hmm. when I was going through my recovery they you know they're aware but it didn't really impact them day-to-day life but 
I was just thinking then about, you know, how much my eating disorder took over like family life in terms of, you know, wherever we went out for food was, oh, is Hannah going to be okay with that or kind of whatever we did in the day. Did you, did you find that or because there was kind of you and your brother as well, did family events kind of go around all of you or was it quite focused on your sister when she was, when she had their eating disorder? Right. I would say it was a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, There were obviously the times where my brother and I did get, get wrapped up in uh, a decision that my sister was making or not making that was kind of having a negative effect in the moment. Um, Especially if you're like in a car altogether on a road trip or somewhere where you can't really, you can't really physically distance yourself. Um, So there are those kind of inevitable moments where um, my sick sibling at the time was kind of uh, dictating different events um, throughout the day that we couldn't really um, not, not be a part of. But there were also times where we would try to like invest in family moments with my sister, because honestly, that was the biggest part of her recovery mm-hmm. was really focusing on um, that time together and having, we would still go on family trips and we would still have family dinners um, because I think just relentlessly letting her know how much we love her and care about her and support her and want her to get better was the tipping, the tipping point at the end of the day. That's really what um, saved her was the the power of love in our family. Um, so yeah, like I, like, like I was saying, it's a little, little bit of both. There's some of those inevitable tough times, but um, I think we did try to incorporate, even if it was with some tough times, um, that family interaction, because it, was so beneficial for all of us at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I think as well, um, again, kind of, you know, this is for any anyone supporting somebody, not just siblings, but yeah. I think not actually focusing everything around the eating disorder, mm-hmm. like you said, is, is pivotal for recovery, you know, not doing a specific, you know, family event or going to a specific restaurant because it's comfortable for the eating disorder. I think actually... Right it a lot whilst it's uncomfortable it lets the person struggling kind of see the bigger picture of life and totally be kind of you know I personally for me actually I think something that really helped that I hated at the time was going out for dinner with my boyfriend's family because they never mm-hmm. made any kind of arrangements around me it was oh well as a family this is the restaurant we like to go to so this is where we're going and I had to I had to go along with it and I think yeah. you know that <laughs> was hard um and I think it's even harder when it's actually your family because you do feel comfortable you know to have that argument or to say I I don't want to go there um Mm -hmm. but I think actually you know taking your loved one to somewhere that is not maybe their first choice can be really helpful yeah you're totally right and I I like the way you phrased it too about like separating the person and the eating disorder because a lot of the times when my sister was really upset and everything it's because the eating disorder is upset, right? And we didn't want to make it comfortable. We didn't want to let the eating disorder win by giving it that out and the easy route all the time. Um, and that's that's what's so hard about fighting this is you really have to put your head down and um, give, give it 110% at all times. Um, and yeah, I really liked that, that separation that you were explaining, mm. like the eating disorder versus the, the person um, dealing with the eating disorder at the moment. That's something that I think is huge. Um, and really under being able to understand that uh, and the eating disorder is kind of a manifestation of the person's mm-hmm. mental illness. It's not actually them um, in the yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. 
I think it really helps for you know when you're saying at the start for things like anger and and resentment mm-hmm. and stuff I think if you can yeah. separate the person from yeah. the system, that really helps otherwise you're just angry at the person all the time and seriously yeah mm-hmm. yeah I agree um something that I we did um when my sister was sick that I've heard from these other siblings I've been talking to are also doing um is naming the eating disorder actually um mm. to kind of physically like more easily um compartmentalize it in your head so my sister named her eating disorder Gulliver at the time because she just thought it was an ugly weird name she hated <laughs> it so she said I'm naming it Gulliver um yeah and I've heard some Harry Potter fans will name it like Dolores or Voldemort so there's Mine was Voldemort no way yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's a really again kind of cheesy tip but it goes a long way um and yeah I think that's really helpful in being able to forge that connection with your loved one at the time yeah definitely I think um I think naming it you know for me that was really helpful I remember I created like this whole little story like I mean I probably spent more time on the story that I should have been focusing (laughs) on recovery but you know that's that's how it goes isn't it um I like that you sort of involved and then I was Harry and then I needed the support of like I couldn't do it on my own but I was the main player but I needed the support so it worked quite well actually yeah um but I think definitely that helped and it you know it's it's something it's a bit of a distraction isn't it to make that and I think it's something that you can you know nicely do together um But in terms of kind of you named a few things there in terms of what was helpful for your sister, were there any other big things that stand out to you that, you know, were really helpful in terms of the family dynamic and supporting your sister? Yeah, um, I think kind of going off of what we've been talking about, something um, that was really important for me and for everyone involved in the time is really getting one-on-one time with my sister and one-on-one time with my parents um, to really, my parents were really good at always checking in on me and making sure I was okay and making sure I knew that I'm still their kid at the end of the day and I still have my own needs and they love me just as much as my sister and my brother. Um, And I think, yeah, really making sure you incorporate that one-on-one time with everyone in the family so you all can be on the same page and no one feels neglected and everyone feels heard um, is really important. And I think specifically for my sister, with what we were just just talking, talking about, I think capitalizing on the one-on-one time I could get with my sister um, was really helpful for both of us, specifically when she was in a like better, more amicable mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and was able to kind of separate herself a little bit from um, some of the the fury of the eating disorder. Um, I think that was really helpful for both of us. Um, something I always think about with siblings is we are inherently kind of in a unique position, right? Um, like, I think I can connect um, with my siblings on a different level than my parents can, uh, just because obviously we're closer in age. We've we're going through school at the same time. We're in kind of the same generation. Um, so I, I think you just shouldn't yeah, take for granted the uh, inherent connections you have with your sibling. Um, and I think really focusing in on those one-on-one interactions with my whole family really made us more tight-knit and a, a high-functioning team at the end of the day. Yeah, I love that, that you just said team. I think that's mm-hmm. so important because it is all of you together yeah. you know against the eating disorder not your sister 
versus the eating disorder I just wanted to ask um I mean I think it would because you kind of said when she was in a I think you said better place or something but Mm -hmm. did you speak to your sister about how you were feeling or did that feel like not appropriate at the time right I would say I don't remember talking to her at the time as much about how I was feeling as I did later in life um and that honestly has been really beautiful even in the last handful of years growing up um my sister and I have started to both kind of open up to each other more about things that happened in retrospect and we're both able to understand it more and reflect on it more Mm -hmm. um And I think I didn't have like a sibling support group back in the day or anything. I was in a really rural area. It was already 12 years ago, like we've said. Um, Technology wasn't as booming, especially in this post-COVID area where people are able to hop Mm. on Zooms and Skypes and everything more readily. Um, So I, I would say I didn't honestly completely understand what or why I was feeling, like what I was feeling or why I was feeling those certain emotions at the time. Um, I think a lot of my growth has been analyzing things in retrospect, like I was saying. So I think it might have been difficult for me to even talk to her at the time about how I was feeling, because I don't think Mm -hmm. I even completely understood how I was feeling or why I was feeling those ways. Um, But yeah, it's it's been really awesome to grow even closer with my sister through having those hard conversations now that aren't as hard as they probably would have been um, back when she was sick. Um, But yeah, so I I guess I'm not sure about advice to give or anything for when you are feeling those things and your your sibling Mm -hmm. is sick in the moment. Cause I, like I said, I I didn't really take the opportunity to do that because I was just confused and lost. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the thing that's really fantastic that you've kind of, you know, been able to look back and talk about it now as to and I'm sure that's really strengthened your relationship I think um I mean like I said I didn't have siblings with me but maybe one thing that kind of came to my mind when um you were talking was I think it would be useful to to talk to your loved one um I think because of the age like you know maybe like you say you didn't 100% know what how you're feeling or um stuff like that but I think kind of two things stick out to me the most one is if you're angry or frustrated to hold the conversation there because I think that's just going to be a lot of bitterness and maybe things won't come across in the right way definitely So maybe to have a conversation when everybody's calm probably not at a meal time as well (laughs) um (laughs) and then the other thing I was thinking as well was you know if if there does need to be a conversation about how people are feeling it's maybe to do it with the support of somebody that's external to your family whether that's a therapist or you know an external person that doesn't have kind of a bias towards anybody to be able to navigate that conversation so it doesn't get into to anger and things like that and I guess that leads me on to another question um is you know did you have any support kind of maybe just one-to-one for you or as a whole family unit um or did you kind of think that was necessary yeah I didn't personally at the time I really wish I would have um my I think most everyone else in my family 
uh, was seeing some sort of therapist or Mm -hmm. later on in life um, ended up seeing like a therapist or different um, more external support system. Um, That's something I'm just now venturing into um, in my life. Um, And yeah, I, I am a big supporter of anything in that realm for sure. Um, And it's something I wish I would have looked into more at the time. I think just being 12 years old, I was kind of um, in my head a little pompous about it and thought I could take on the world. Um, And that's definitely, I think that even ties back into what we were just talking about now that I've, we talk about it out loud more is um, I, I wasn't also great at sharing my emotions at a, just a 12 year old, um, Mm. and B in in the time. Um, I think I didn't want to be a burden, um, to anyone else in my family or to my family as a whole, or to anyone outside of my family, even, um, I liked to think that I could kind of take everything on my own and just take care of myself because I didn't, like I said, I didn't want to burden anyone else in my family. I knew that my parents, um, we're fighting so hard and working tirelessly and relentlessly to save my sister. And, uh, this is something I've, um, heard from other siblings I've talked to too, which it it sounds so silly on the surface, but sometimes I was even, didn't even want to ask them about a math question I had in my homework Mm -hmm. or to proofread my essay for my English class. Um, just cause I, I didn't want to give them any other work on top of what they were already dealing with. So so I think that that's something I've had to work on, honestly, throughout my entire life is learning how to really prioritize myself and um, make sure my feelings and my voice is heard. Even, even when other people have things going on as well, I'm still important at the end of the day. Um, And I think I've really learned to open up um, when I'm feeling certain ways and yeah, that's something that I've definitely really had to work on. And I've learned um, that my, yeah, my feelings are not a burden and I have value and it's a, okay for me to share my emotions and let people know how I'm feeling. Um, it's not at the, yeah, it's not the expense of someone else. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I can imagine that that's not an uncommon thought, you know, I, when, when there's something as big as anything sort of going on, which ultimately does impact kind of every part of life, I can imagine as a sibling to then, you know, have something going on, or even like you say, a simple maths question, you know, you don't want to burden, but actually you're not being a burden because just because the eating disorder is there, you know, doesn't mean that you don't have your needs and that you're not going through stuff as well. Um, So I think that's like such an important kind of thing to bring up and I think a lot of people probably listening will you know really recognize that maybe in themselves if they are um a sibling how did you sort of navigate that I mean has it just been a long process of working it out and then working through it or was it something at the time that you kind of you had mechanisms to deal with right I I would say more so the the first thing you said Mm -hmm. um that kind of longitudinal process, um, mm-hmm. even doing this sibling support group I've started, I t- tell the, the girls that come all the time, they're, they're like 12 to 15 years old. I'm like, you, you are teaching me so much and <laughs> opening my eyes to the things I went through and seeing them in a different light and really normalizing them and understanding why I was feeling the way at the time that I was, even though I was so confused and didn't understand what was going on in my head. Um, so it's definitely, yeah, been a longitudinal process. Um, it's helped me. My experiences have really given me 
solid life skills, I would say. Um, finding, finding my voice and finding myself and finding different leadership positions and leadership roles where I can really work to better explain myself and give myself a platform and give myself that voice um, has been really helpful for sure. Um, there's one other thing I was going to add. Where did it go? I should have written it down. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. I'll see if it comes <laughs> back to me. But um, yeah, yeah, I I think um, something that's popped into my mind as well that from what you were saying earlier about um, you know, I guess about not wanting to be a burden and stuff like that. Is also you mentioned about looking after your little brother. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like you had to grow up quite quickly? When, oh, yeah. yes, <laughs> that that is huge. And honestly, yeah, that's been a recurring theme in my life that I've all had to analyze and really mm -hmm. work through, um, which <laughs> might surprise some listeners, I'd say, because uh, that sounds like a very good thing like oh you're very mature mm. for your age it's like a lot of people take that as a compliment and I have always taken that as a compliment but I've never been someone to have a ton of close friends um or I if I did have friends growing up they were often like three four years older than me mm. um so it was really hard at the time for sure I'd say especially being 12 years old and in middle school which no one warns you about middle school is awful <laughs> <laughs> your bodies are changing, everyone smells weird, you're all getting crushes on each other. It's such a weird time of life. Um, so going into <laughs> middle school <laughs> and I'm dealing with this very intensive life-altering event at home that also no one really knows about, which is I think also very unique to this eating disorder world. Um, it, was, it was hard. I didn't always want to talk about like who was crushing on who or mm -hmm what we're gonna, what dresses you're wearing to homecoming and X, Y, Z, um, you name it. Sometimes I, I wanted to really talk to people like one-on-one -on -one and have deep conversations with them. I wasn't always interested in kind of the superficial topics um, that middle schoolers were interested in. I'd say sometimes I'd maybe um, indulge in those conversations if I just needed an outlet and needed to kind of have an escape day like we've talked about, but um a lot of times it was, yeah, it was really hard for me to kind of have meaningful relationships growing up because mm -hmm. I, I felt like an outlier. I felt like I'd been through a lot. Um, and not to say, obviously, a lot of people go through different situations and go through a lot of hard things in life. Um, but I did feel like it was a unique situation because, like, like I had said, a lot of people also didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, so that people kind of painted a picture of me and my family and my life without knowing a huge, huge uh, pivotal piece of it so mm -hmm. yeah and that's something I've related to with um other siblings I've talked to as well they also feel like kind of um an outcast sometimes in their classes or in their in their school and they feel I mean just me talking to them I can tell that they are incredibly mature for their age and they understand complex emotions and complex situations and it really does force you to mature quickly and that's something I think in the past I hated um I, I would I remember telling my parents multiple times growing up in my life I'd say like mom and dad sometimes I just want to go like steal a car like I just want to go do something reckless I want to be a reckless mm. teen um and instead I 
yeah, that, that's definitely just a vivid memory I have is kind of lashing out in those moments where why can't I just have a normal upbringing, normal childhood? Why, why, again, why me? That why me mentality is definitely really real. And I think something a lot of people experience um, in different ways. But yeah, I think now I've learned to appreciate it more um, and understand in retrospect how it shaped who I am and what I choose to value in life and what I think the real meaning of life is and the profession I chose to go into. I want to help people in all different types of situations. And um, yeah, I'm in medical school right now. So I'm thinking emergency medicine is my number one right now, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm keeping um, my, my everything open for the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, I'd love to help people in all different types of situations that they didn't see coming and really be someone who can uh, forge that trust and that open conversation uh, right mm -hmm. off the bat. I think it's incredible that you, that, that it, it's something that you're really wanting to go into because, you know, I think having a lived experience of mental health is really important, but actually lived experience of supporting somebody is just like a whole nother kettle of fish because, you know, not only can you kind of resonate with the person that is, is struggling, yeah. you know, you, kind of have the experience of supporting your sister but equally you will be able to sympathize with the parents the siblings mm -hmm. the loved ones because they're you know feeling similar things to how you did so you've actually got kind of both things um yeah. there which I think is is incredible I just yeah. wanted to go back to um what you said just a second ago about like the why me yeah mentality because I think again whether it's somebody struggling with an eating disorder or supporting I think the you know oh, why did this have to happen to me is, is a quite a common thought process mm -hmm. I just wondered how you kind of worked through that and how you kind of saw a more positive side because it sounds like you're right you know, you've, you've got a positive twist on it and I'm just wondering how you got to that point yeah I think everyone in my family went through their own process of guilt um my my mom w had a very intense period um, of guilt that she had to work through with the help of some external sources um, as well. Um, she had kind of started a little bit before my sister got sick. She had kind of started exercising more and watching what she was eating and um, things like that, that she definitely held um, herself responsible for at the end of the day. And she had a process of really learning that it wasn't her fault um, and that no one thing causes an eating disorder, that it's such a multifactorial, there's genetics, there's an environment, there's society, there's all these different uh, moving pieces. Um, and she really had to work through that. Um, my, I had kind of my own guilt where I thought I had noticed different ch like changes in behaviors in my sister earlier than anyone else in my family. So I felt guilty that I didn't vocalize that. Um, more readily to people around me or that it was somehow my fault that it wasn't caught soon enough and she spiraled into this whole illness. So a, a lot of us all had our own kind of guilt we had to work through and process and we all had to really work hard to understand that eating disorders aren't a choice. Um, I, we had to really pound it into my sister's head that she didn't do anything wrong. It's not her mm -hmm. fault that she would often, especially towards her recovery, um, as she was getting better and better, she had more guilt about feeling like she ruined our family and ripped us apart and put us through so much hardship. So we, we all had, um, our different struggles that 
I think at the end of the day, once we all individually and team wise worked through those together, we were able to really get past that why me mentality mm-hmm. of no, no, it wasn't me or you or you, no one caused this, no one did this. Um, it, yeah, we, we were all really able to lean on each other um, and work through it together. And I think, like I mentioned earlier as well, uh, the further and further along in my sister's recovery, we were able to really analyze those silver linings that did come out of everything. Um, just how close my family got, how open we all are, how we all are able to reach out when we need that help. Um, as well as just, we all are growing and evolving in our relationships with our bodies in a very positive or neutral manner, depending on what works, works for people. Um, but we, we've all really learned to eat things we enjoy, um, that life is about balance, to move our bodies in ways that we enjoy and have fun with it. We go on huge family hikes. We get a pontoon, rent a pontoon for the day and go in the lake and go swimming and have fun picnics on the beach and um, all those things that really bring us closer as families and give us more depth as individuals and the relationships we have with ourselves and our bodies and the world around us. So I think we were really able to get past that why me mentality with a lot of individual internal reflection, Mm -hmm. as well as leaning on each other and having that communal support system. Yeah, I love the fact that kind of the experience has, I guess, helped you to have a better relationship with your body it sounds like an exercise as well um I guess I just wondered um because I you know it's it's so lovely to hear but I don't want everyone to listen in thinking oh it sounds like they had it all perfectly and um (laughs) did you was there any point when you you kind of recognized your sister's behaviors and, and had any struggles yourself or do you think seeing the impact it had on her kind of turned you away from that um I would say I I learned from her for sure um and I I was really able to have my my own um experience and learning my own body and my own self um I definitely took a lot from the experience um I'm trying to think how I can best answer this I think something that kind of you jogged in my mind with that question um, is a lot of times I hear from other siblings uh, that went through this, that they get really stressed out and anxious and angry when their parents are kind of consistently checking in on them and making sure they're doing okay. Um, And specifically like with making sure they're, they're eating enough food and eating enough nutritious food and, um, I think a lot of siblings, they've kind of confided in me that that's really frustrating for them because they're like, I'm, I'm okay. I promise I'm okay. Why won't they kind of get off my back? Leave me alone. Um, And I definitely went through that as well. And I think it was a process for me to learn, to understand that my parents were only doing that because they were coming from a place of love and a place of compassion. um, And that because they just cared for me so much as a their child and also just as an individual um, human being. Um, So I think that's something I've definitely had to 
learn and really understand that they don't mean any harm by that. And they're just checking in on me. Um, and I kind of had to get over myself and realize it is a gen there are genetics that are coming up that are involved as well. Um, the research is seeming to show that. Um, so, I mean, I am at a higher risk. My, my brother and I are both at a higher risk um, to develop an eating disorder. Uh, so yeah, like I said, they're, they're coming from it at it from a good place. And although it can be pestering, you feel like you're getting bogged down. Um, they really do just need to check in on you. And I think just having that open communication both ways saying I, I I'm doing okay. I will let you know if I'm not and need your help. Um, yeah, that's something that's definitely stands out to me with that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I think naturally as parents, you would yeah. be, you know, maybe overly concerned. Right. Um, because yeah, at the end of the day, one of your children is struggling with each disorder. You don't want two, three or, or whatever. Um, but it's interesting what you said about how it kind of um, allowed you to maybe improve or kind of recognize. Cause I think, and, you know, learn from your sister, because for me personally, I, I was having a conversation with my friend the other day and we were saying that despite having had an eating disorder, actually now it feels as though our relationship with food and our body and exercise and stuff is actually better than the general population because yeah. we have spent, you know, years in therapy talking about it. Very aware totally of it. Agree. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people might have a you know a, a difficult or an odd or a concerning relationship with those things but not yeah. recognize it because yeah. they've not thought about it so actually you know I think like you say seeing the silver linings bringing that sort of thing to the front it, it can be quite positive in terms of you know under like unpicking it to see what's going on for you and actually recognizing it for sure I totally agree with what you're saying it going through it either yourself or with someone close to you, it, it gives you a new lens on life. I'd say a new outlook on life, like everywhere you go, everything you do, um, you're kind of picking up on these little minutia that other people may not pick up on just little things that people say that you're like, no, that's not a great thing to say. That's not a, it's not all. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're even just like advertisements and going to the grocery store and things are labeled like skinny, whatever, whatever. Mm. It's like, no, let's be healthy. Let's not be skinny. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It definitely gives you a new perspective on life and uh, enables you to give um, that platform to kind of, I, I do like to check in on or check people once in a while when they say things that I don't always think are great things to say, or I'll, combat it with something positive and um I get that that's obviously something that's not as easy to do if you're still battling with something or have someone struggling um but I think since I've been removed from it for a period of time now I've really been able to more openly and freely um vocalize when when someone's talking negatively about their body or something um I I, I feel more comfortable now kind of interjecting and letting them know that they are so much more than what they look like and they're fun to be around and they make me feel heard and I have fun with them and all those compliments you can give that aren't always centered around appearance. Um, yeah. 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 I think that's such an important thing. Um, I really like what you said, actually, you make me feel heard. That's a really nice one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess that would be a really good way to sort of wrap up the podcast is if somebody is maybe concerned about a sibling or a loved one, mm -hmm. um, I think like you just said that it can sometimes be a difficult 
conversation to have because you might they might think that you're kind of what's the word like attacking them or whatever yeah. but yeah. how how would you suggest sort of having that initial conversation if if you are worried about a loved one yeah I think it's what we both were kind of alluding to just now is really listening um and really approaching it the conversation from a place of love and concern um and not ma- making sure you're not feeling making them feel like you said like they're attacked or Mm -hmm. like they're put in a corner or they're on the spot or they're in trouble or you're mad at them um nothing like that you really want it to be an open and honest environment where you can uh create a space that's safe for everyone involved and where you can really listen to them and what they have to say um and not to a point where you're pushing and prodding um i'd say i but uh really making sure they feel comfortable and know that you just really want to help them and be a resource for them in any way possible. It's definitely a sticky situation to navigate, but Mm. I think, um, they, whether they are outwardly expresses expressive of it or not, they will be really thankful um, that you reached out at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I think I must've said this about a thousand times on the podcast now, but I think (laughs) actually, you know, going into that situation not expecting you know them to open up their heart and tell you everything but just knowing that by actually starting that conversation you're giving them that space if they need it in the future as well it could be Mm -hmm. months down the line um, definitely that they come to you and say you know uh, before you said well actually yeah I'm ready to talk about it now right um and like you said you know listening and I think that is what anybody would kind of ask for Mm -hmm. um do you have any resources or anything that you'd recommend um, that people might be able to look at if they are concerned? Yeah, I should have called my mom before this. She's kind of like, she's really invested in the eating disorder <laughs> realm and she has a billion resources. Um, I know they're in the US at least. Um, there's organizations, uh, Feast, F-E-A-S-T is a great one. Um, Equip um is great e-q-u-i-p um brave girl eating is a great book i think that my mom um read during um my sister's recovery i think that one is by harriet brown yes that is definitely one my mother recommended um and would share with um my grandparents or other people that knew what was going on at the time, but kind of needed um, resources to catch them up to what it all entailed. Mm-hmm. That was one that my mom really liked to share with people. Um, so those are kind of the few that pop up off the top of my head. Um, I have been like, we've been kind of talking about, I've been hosting recently since last October, I believe. Um, I've been doing just a weekly uh, Zoom session, sibling support group. Um, they're 30 minutes long. There's one that's, uh, it's 15 and under in age. And the other one is 16 and over just 30 minutes. Like I said, um, where we all just kind of, uh, I'll bring kind of some conversation starters or some emotions that I remember feeling at the time and kind of open the floor to see if anybody else has felt those ways. And, um, it's really just, yeah, a place where sometimes we talk about those emotions and what it's like and what's hard about going through everything. Sometimes we'll just talk about what our favorite movies are and what we're doing this weekend. It's just a really a safe space and an outlet for people who really understand because um, they've gone through the thick of it. 
what an eating disorder really entails. So that's something I've been doing that's been really, really helpful for me and I hope helpful for everyone who comes. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's something that I wish I had had back in the day that it's been really, really fun to do and I look forward to every week. If that's online, is that accessible for, you know, for anybody or is it yes. just in the US? Yeah, it's accessible for anyone. We'll have to see if the time change works or not. Or it might be in the middle of the night for some other people. <laughs> um, we do have people from Canada that come sometimes, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, people from other countries definitely join. I have just kind of a Google form where people fill out their interests and put their email on. And then I send out the link every week. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, I try to make it as accessible as possible. And with the exception of we'll have to look into the time <laughs> for sure <laughs> um if just if anybody is interested about joining is it where's the best place to kind of contact you or to reach out yeah they can email me um I can give my email you can use i m a k one two four nine eight at gmail.com and I'll put that in the notes as well, just in case people are, I don't know, walking in the park and, well, I suppose you could put it on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's me being all old school, like any of my kind of paper. Oh, I'm like that too. It's so bad. <laughs> well, Bella, I think it sounds like you're doing incredible things and I'm so honoured to have spoken to you. And um, so thank you for being so open and honest about your experience. Yeah, of course. This has been really awesome. And thank you so much for connecting and reaching out. And I've had, uh, yeah, really great experience talking with you. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode. So be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.